Laurel Spurt. Almighty God, we thank you for bringing us together again this morning, being the third Sunday in Lent. We ask, O oh Lord, that your word will encourage us today, your word will rebuke us, your word will strengthen us, and your word will further give us strength to continue in the right path that you have designed for us, so that when we finish here on earth, may we be granted the grace to reign and to rule with you in eternity, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Let me welcome you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to the third Sunday in this Lenten season. This season is one of the greatest seasons in the calendar of the church. It is a time of sober reflection, a time of confession, a time of repentance, and a time of transformation. And so as we continue in this 40 days journey with the Lord, we trust him to renew our strength because by our own strength, we can't achieve anything. And that's why Jesus Christ says in John chapter 15 and verse 5b, apart from me, you can do nothing. When you look at all the readings of today, you find out one common thing. And all the readings talk about the law of the Lord. The law of the Lord. The, go the gospel of today, which is the third lesson, talks about what you need to fulfill that law. And that is Christ talking about himself that, look, this temple, if you destroy it, within three days I'm going to rebuild it again. And as wise as those Pharisees and teachers were, they could not even comprehend that. And they said, what are you talking about? We built this place 46 years. How then are you going to rebuild it in three days? He was talking about his death his, and his resurrection, which is going to give us the grace to fulfill the law, the grace, the enablement for us to be able to live up to the standard that he has created for us. Now looking through the, uh, the first lesson today, and that is Exodus chapter 20. You discover that God previously had a covenant with Abraham. And when God makes any covenant, be too sure that he is too faithful to deny anything he says. The Bible says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. As he said and not do it, or as he spoken and not make it good. The promise started to manifest as God remembered the children of Israel who were suffering in the land of captivity. They were there for about 430 years. And God had to disengage Moses 
And he said, leave what you are doing now. Go to Pharaoh. Tell him, it is time to allow my people to go. And Moses, I will not blame him. I will say the same thing also. Because Pharaoh was the greatest king of his time. Who am I to stand before Pharaoh? And will your people also believe me? Just tell my people, I am that I am sent you. Said Pharaoh, let my people go. If I follow the readings of last week, you would discover that it talks about the confrontation that Moses had with Pharaoh in the name of the Lord to allow the people of God to go. But Pharaoh obviously refused God's instruction until God released about ten plagues upon Pharaoh and his people. And Pharaoh eventually said, okay, now you can go. But even after he asked them to go, he pursued them again with his armies. And you know the story that they all perished at the Red Sea. Then when they came out of this, God was bringing together a community of his own people that I can call a God community. And he wanted to roll out to them the laws that will govern them as they interact with one another, as they interact with him also is their maker. And he called on Moses, meet me up on Monday because I'm going to give you ten commandments. According to the biblical story, Moses departed to the mountain and stayed there for 40 days and nights in order to receive the ten commandments. And he did this twice because he broke the first set of the tablets of stone after returning from the mountain for the first time. You will not blame him. Uh, until I was in Israel in 2007 and I went to Mount Sinai, it took me about six hours to get to that mountain. Six hours. I was panting, exhausted, crawling. But I made up my mind when I was leaving Nigeria. I said, I will get to the mountain. So when I got there, I couldn't say a word. I just lie down flat. And we did that. I think we started going to that mountain around 11 p.m. We didn't get there. I didn't get there until about uh, 3 a.m. or so. And I could imagine what Moses went through to be able to get that, the Ten Commandments. And by the time he came back, he discovered that the people had gone away from the law because they told Aaron, we don't know what has happened to this man. Please get us something to serve. And they carved image and they began to serve that. And because of that, Moses was angry and he broke the tablet. And God said, come back again. You are still coming back there to get it. So in that Exodus chapter 20, we now discover that the Ten Commandments was given. And these Ten Commandments are the first part of God's law system. In essence, they are summary of the hundreds of laws found in the Old Testament law, designed to guide Israel into a life of practical holiness. The Ten Commandments offer basic rules of behavior for spiritual and moral living. The Hebrew meaning of these Ten Commandments is literally 
ten words. The Greek translation gives us what we do, what we have read today, and that is the Decalogue, referring to the moral law. In general, the first four commandments are directed towards God and our obligations to Him. The next six focus on our duties towards other people in the community. Together, the ten serve to create a community devoted to one God that is characterized by social justice. Today, these laws still instruct us because I see many people who say, oh, that is Old Testament. And I ask them, is Old Testament still part of the Bible? Yes. So these laws still instruct us, expose sin, and show us God's standard. According to Romans chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, the Lord has written his law on the hearts of all men. But without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we are utterly helpless to live up to God's holy standard. And that's why I commend those who choose all these daily readings. You see, the, 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 the first lesson, the second lesson, talk about the law. Even the psalm, talk about the law. Now, the, 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 the third lesson talks about the sacrifice of Jesus. And look at what I say here. But without the sacrifice of Jesus, we are utterly helpless to live up to God's holy standard. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 10 assures us of a new covenant written in Jesus' blood. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel. On that day, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. In the appointed psalm for today, when you look at Psalm 19 that we read today, and precisely, when you look at verse 7 there, it says, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. When you look at verse 8, B, it says, the commandment of the Lord is pure and gives light to the eyes. In Romans, that is the second lesson for today. Paul acknowledged that the law is holy, which means that the Ten Commandments is holy, is righteous. And that you can see in verse 12. So the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteous, and good. Although the Lord is good, but we need Jesus Christ, we need Jesus to be able to keep the law. And that's why in verse 24, we see Paul again making a statement. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? In verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. So he cried out there that what the right thing I want to do, as knowledgeable as I am, I cannot do it. I know that this is wrong. 
Why do I go that way? And that's why I told you that by your own strength, you cannot do it. But you say, thanks be to Jesus. Thanks be to the sacrifice of Jesus that has given us the enablement to overcome. To overcome the law of the flesh. To overcome flesh and to overcome sin. So we need Jesus in our lives to be able to obey the commandment of God. And that is the starting point. One thing I've always said loud and clear is that there is a struggle. There is struggle that is going on. Struggle between the flesh and the spirit. And many people don't tend to accept that. But let's go to Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, I will read from verse 16. I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lost against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do things that you wish. So that you do not do things that you wish. There is a kind of battle going on in the spirit. Some people jokingly may say, oh, when Adam sin, when Eve sin, God said, you are dust. No matter how beautiful you are, either you are black, you are yellow, you are going to return to dust. So the flesh had that. So as beautiful as I am, I'm going to return to, to dust. And so the battle starts between the flesh and, that's just on a lighter mood, between the flesh and the spirit. Let's go on in that passage of Galatians chapter 5. Now, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, Selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with his passion and desires. If we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit. So we see that as severe as the battle between the flesh and the spirit is, there is a way out. If you are led by the spirit, you cannot fulfill the desire of the flesh. So, how do you get there? You need Jesus to be able to get there. I was sharing with Father Sean after the first service. I said, most often times, people don't say this aspect of the struggle. I remember someone in Nigeria many years back. He was told that, oh, once you are giving your life to Jesus, you don't struggle with anything, you are fine. And you are on your way to heaven. And so at the time, he felt very bad within himself that he was feeling 
No, he was having not a very good feeling. He was not married, maybe towards an opposite sex. And he said, oh, I heard that if I am in Christ, no more struggle. Why am I living this way? Why am I thinking this way? And you know what he did? He got a blade and cut off his penis and he died. Because he was not told that there is struggle. It's a, long, it's a struggle going on. But the way out is Christ. When you live in him, then you have the strength, you have the grace, the grace, the grace to overcome the flesh. Let me also tell you that that is why in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, Paul takes time to say that he, that whoever is in Christ is a new creature. All things have passed away. That is the starting point when you encounter Christ because from him you get this grace. We have laws. Yes, we know that we have laws. But how do you fulfill it? You need Christ. So if you have not met Christ, there is nothing like moral uh, uprightness. No. The starting point for you to be morally upright in Christ is that you have encountered Jesus Christ. And once you have encountered Jesus Christ, you receive that grace to live according to the standard that God has created for you. The standard is higher than any of us. We need the grace to live up to that standard. And let me also add that Christ didn't come to abolish this law that we are talking about today. Because many people will say, oh, that is in the Old Testament. And that's why in one of the very, very powerful sermons that Jesus preached, and that's sermon on the, on the mount, he said, do not think that I came to destroy the law or, or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For as surely I say to you, the heaven and earth passed away. One judge or lead you, by no means pass from the law, till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of, this, of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 to 20. In today's college, this was also revealed as that we are somehow helpless until we encounter Christ. In today's college, it says, Heavenly Father, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Our hearts are restless. By our own, we cannot make this thing until we enter into you, until we find rest in you. Now, as I try to run off today, I remind you again that until you are properly connected to Jesus Christ, until you encounter him in a practical uh, no, no sense of it, you cannot obey, you cannot fulfill, you cannot live up to the standard that God 
has created for you. And that's why in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, it is said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, if anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and die with him and he also with me. Not the door of your house. Not the door of this church. Right now as I'm talking, the door of your heart is there and is knocking. Gently. 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 It is now your choice. You may decide to close the door against him. He is not going to break it open. But when you open the door of your heart, he's willing to come in. And when he comes in, the first thing he's going to do is to cleanse that heart. When he cleanses the heart, it's going to remain with you. It's going to give you instruction. Oh, my son, this is right. You can do it. Oh, don't go that way. Don't go this way. He becomes the one who is going to be leading you in everything that you are doing. I ran up with this story. There was a young man who just got married, a soldier. And a few weeks after his marriage, he was enlisted for peacekeeping outside his country. The name of the wife is Margaret. And he said to Margaret, I'm going to miss you. We just got married. But now, I've been enlisted to be one of the persons that will go for peacekeeping. So they both wept that night. He kissed the wife and he left. Unfortunately, when they got to that country, there was a siege laid for them. The old troop, they were captured. But thanks be to God, they were not killed. And so he refused to eat many, many days. Where is Margaret? What will be happening to Margaret? Margaret, my wife. I miss Margaret. So everybody persuaded him and said, please eat. Say, no, I cannot eat. I'm missing my wife, Margaret. So after some years, there was an announcement. They said, by tomorrow, we are going to release a long list, and some of you will go back to your country. He was excited. I'm going to see my, Mar my wife, Margaret, again. Unfortunately, his name was not on the list. It was very sad. But this day came, and another list was published, and his name was number one. He jumped up. Thanks be to God. I'm going to see my wife, Margaret, today. And eventually, he got back to his country. It was bad that war also had invaded, you know, destroyed a lot of things in his own country. But fortunately for him, some houses were still standing. His own house was part of the house that was standing. So he was excited. He ran. I don't know about married people here, but I know about myself that uh, if my wife is walking, even if I don't see her, 
I can feel, I know this, the, 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 the step, I know the way she walks. So he was at the entrance and Margaret. So he had this, the movement of the legs. So oh, that is my wife. And Margaret opened the door. He was excited. Margaret, I missed you so much. At that very point, something very terrible happened. Margaret pushed him away and shut the door. What happened? Why did Margaret have to do this? Because there was another man inside. Why is Jesus standing outside, knocking at the door? Why is Jesus not inside? Because before Jesus came, devil came. Devil has taken the possession of the heart of the people. And Jesus is now standing outside, knocking. Open. Let me come. So that I can cast out the one that is ruling your heart. So I can come in and die with you and wine with you. It is then your choice today. If you will open the door of your heart to let Jesus come. Remember that after this word again, you are going to meet him. Shall we bow our heads in prayer? Father, we thank you again for speaking to us about the commandments you gave to your people, Israel, of which we are part by adoption today. We know that we cannot fulfill these laws by our own strength and power. And that's why we run to you today at this Lenten season. We ask, oh Lord, that as we open the doors of our hearts unto you, that you will come in afresh. You will banish Satan. And your presence will remain with us. That we draw strength and grace to live up to the standard that you have created for us. So that when we shall depart this mortal world, may we be granted that grace to rule and to reign with you in eternity. All this we ask through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.